Dr. Alan Schoen was raised in the New York City area. He received his DVM from Cornell University College of Veterinary Medicine in 1978. Prior to his veterinary education, he earned a master's degree in animal behavior and neurophysiology from the University of Illinois. Dr. Schoen also received an honorary doctorate of humane letters from Becker College in 1998 for his contributions to integrative veterinary medicine. He was certified in acupuncture by IVIS in 1982. He also has advanced training in botanical medicine, chiropractic, mind-body medicine, and homeopathy. In 1982, Dr. Schoen established the first Department of Acupuncture outside of China at the Animal Medical Center in New York City. He's been a faculty member at Colorado State University College of Veterinary Medicine, Tufts University College of Veterinary Medicine, and Chi University. He has also lectured extensively, both nationally and internationally, and has served as an expert involved in policy formation for the American Veterinary Medical Association. Dr. Schoen is the co-editor of Complementary and Alternative Veterinary Medicine, Principles and Practice, the editor of both Veterinary Acupuncture, Ancient Art to Modern Medicine, and Problems in Veterinary Medicine, Veterinary Acupuncture. Dr. Schoen's most recent effort is the Compassionate Animal Lovers Movement, CALM. The mission of CALM is for all animal lovers to help co-create a more harmonious world based on the love of our animal family. Please enjoy this conversation with Dr. Alan Schoen. Well, thanks, Dr. Schoen, for taking the time. Oh, great to be here with you, Neil. Thanks for inviting me. You're so welcome. So where did you grow up? I grew up in New York, actually. Uh, what part of the state? In um, Queens, in New York City. And, you know, left for Connecticut as quickly as I could. <laughs> So when did you get the idea that you wanted to be a veterinarian? Well, okay, here's the gist of it. Like, it's not that uncommon among vets, but my grandfather said to me the first words out of my mouth were animal doctor. Ah. And, you know, I don't have a memory of not knowing that I was going to be a veterinarian. I just knew that that's what I was going to be. Yeah. You know, so, it's funny. Yeah. Um, when my, you know, not unlike some parents, uh, my mother kept on saying to me, no, you should be a human doctor, not an animal doctor, you know? And then when, so I applied to human medical schools as safety and I got in. And the first year was just waitlisted for vet school. Ah. <laughs> and then I turned down human medical school because I realized I, that, that wasn't my calling. And then I got in to both Cornell and Illinois. So how, why did you decide on Cornell? I was doing my master's in animal behavior at the University of Illinois. Mm-hmm. And I didn't resonate with the flatness. I love mountains, you know. And so that's number one. Number two, my undergraduate professors who I was very close with said, you know something, going to Cornell, Ivy League, and it was the number one vet school in the world at the time, they said, even though it's going to cost you more, because I got a full scholarship to Illinois and I got a partial scholarship to Cornell, they said, even though it's going to cost you more, just saying you're from Cornell is going to have an impact 
in ways that you don't know. Do you feel that held, that held up? That did hold up. Yeah, I have to say that held up. Yeah. Ithaca's a great I mean, place to go to school, yeah? Yeah. I mean, it was challenging. Uh, you know, being the number one vet school in the world at the time, it definitely had an attitude and stuff. And I continued be, just being this idealistic animal lover that knew my journey here in this life is to help animals. And my passion, even then, was to look at helping animals that didn't respond to everything we were doing. I said, that was great. But even in vet school, my passion was, what about the animals we can't help? And one of my professors, this is like in the 70s, right? Yeah. And um, one of my professors had just come back from China, an equine surgeon, and he said, I just got trained in equine acupuncture, and I want to be doing it. And everyone at Cornell was against him, but he started doing it at night, after hours in the equine clinic. Yeah. And he, he kind of let me hang out, and then I got a summer job with him for that summer. So I was really excited about that. But then, sadly to say, he committed suicide because of all the harassment he was getting. Uh. And that was my first exposure, actually, to stress and suicide in veterinary medicine. Yeah. Um, so searching for um, other options other than in addition to, not other than, but in addition to conventional medicine and surgery, had to wait till I started in veterinary practice. Where'd you go after graduation? I went to um, New Hampshire, and it was to the largest uh, veterinary practice, mixed veterinary practice in New, in New Hampshire, if not in New England. And all my professors at Cornell said, if you want to have the best experience, there's no internship at that time in both large and small. Yeah, you, know, you had to choose. And my passion was still doing all creatures, great and small. And they said, that is a great place. It's all Cornelians. They were top in their field and they have a great reputation. And if they accept you, go there. So I went to that practice and being bottom man in, a, at that time it was a four veterinarian practice. Yeah. Got all, everything that no one else wanted. Yeah, sure. All right. Calls, right. So yeah. the flip side of that, I got incredible experience on all creatures, great and small in emergencies and whatever anyone else didn't want. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And in addition to that, the oldest vet in the practice was in his 70s at the time. And he was the first veterinarian to use, get permission to use penicillin on a cow. Wow. And at that time... I was supposed to just be on call one weekend a month and one out of every four nights. And as soon as I got there, they said, actually, Dr. Tenney, the oldest vet in the practice, is too old to do all his own calls. So now you're going to be on call every other night and every other weekend. And 12-hour <laughs> day, you know, 12 days on, two days off, 14-hour days, you know. Yeah. But the silver lining to that was Dr. Tenney, had on his top shelf in his exam room 
all these old herbal and homeopathic remedies. Yeah. And I started pointing to them and say, what are those? And he would chuckle. And by being covering for him, being his backup, he started teaching me about all these approaches before antibiotics. Wow. Incredible. Yeah. So that was really my first door opening at that point to these therapeutic options that worked, that were natural before antibiotics and steroids and everything. Wow. How long were you at the practice? I was there for two years. Mm -hmm. And then um, one of the vets, two of the vets wanted me to become a partner. And one, his son just got into vet school, Cornell, and he wanted him. So it got a little awkward. Yeah. And I was craving something more. And my girlfriend at the time, we had an agreement. She was a feminist. And I said, I'll follow her wherever she gets into grad school. And I was hoping that would be at Harvard or somewhere around Boston and stay around there. But instead, she got into Syracuse. So then I moved back up to upstate New York. Yeah. What kind of practice did you join there? Well, there, it was very interesting. You know, the circuitous route of life's journey, eh? Yeah. You know, I got, I was going to go in with this vet who said, look, I do mostly cows, all cows, and he loves cows. But he said, I'll help if you cover some of my cows and I'll let you have a little small animal practice in a building I own. So I went, oh, okay. So I got there, everything in my U-Haul. And then he said, oh, I'm going to charge you this much rent. I'm only going to pay you this, this and that. I was like, no way. Yeah. And my girlfriend at the time, her father was dean of Cornell Arts and Science. So I moved into, back into Ithaca to figure out what I was going to do. Yeah. And so I got a little Toyota van, uh, pickup truck. Uh-huh. And just started going barn to barn, offering my services, and then doing relief work for a small animal vet there. And that grew. But then I realized, boy, I really didn't want to be, if you were outside of Ithaca, it was an oasis in upstate New York of consciousness and awareness. And yeah, um, my practice, my own practice with cows and horses was growing, but I realized quickly I didn't want to be there. Yeah. And so I went and said, okay, what do I want to do? What do I want to be? And I realized my idea was to be a vet doing all creatures, great and small, out in the country, but in a college town where there was some consciousness. Sure. Yeah. So I took a job with a vet in New Paltz, New York. Okay. And then it was coming towards the end of the year. I needed continuing education credits. Uh-huh. And the only thing that was available was an introductory course in veterinary acupuncture by my first teacher, Dr. Shelley Altman uh-huh. in New York. So yeah. I said to my boss, I said, hey, I need my CE. There's this in New York. It, and he said, oh, yeah, go for it. And as fate would have it, then an hour into the weekend workshop by Shelley, my inner voice started screaming to me saying, this is your journey. And he's teaching it based on science. Uh-huh. And the master's degree that I did in Illinois was in animal behavior and neurophysiology. Yes. And I said, oh, my gosh, this is applied neurophysiology. Right. And 
So by the end of the weekend, Shelly Altman said, if you don't start tomorrow putting some needles in a dog, you'll never do it. Yeah. And his thing was primarily small animal. Uh-huh. And so I had lined up a dog, a 12-year-old black lab that came to me the week before to be euthanized because it came in on a stretcher and it had been on steroids and the, everything. And back then, that's what you had, steroids and butte, you know? And yeah, yeah, yeah. That was it. Um, that was in the um, 1981. And he came to me to be euthanized. I said, you know, I'm about to take this weekend workshop in acupuncture. I have no idea if it works. I have no idea about anything. But let me, I'll give one other shot of steroid just to make your dog comfortable, you know, and um, bring it back on Monday and let me see if there's something more I can do. Yeah. And so he brought him back on the stretcher and he had severe arthritis in his elbows, in his back, in his hips, in his knees, a classic old black lab at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I took out my instruction booklet from Dr. Altman and 20, you know, a bunch of acupuncture needles that he gave you there to get started. Uh And I'm opening the book and my technician's holding on to the dog. And the client was very, very open. He was a very educated individual who's actually a psychotherapist. And he loved his dog. And so I ended up, I said, okay, well, it says these needles, these points for elbows, these points for hips, these points for hats. It took me an hour to have the confidence to put in the needles. Uh I put them all in and the dog just went right to sleep. And so he took him home on a stretcher and brought him in two more times on the stretcher. Uh And then the fourth time the dog runs in wagging its tail. And I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. I didn't use drugs. I didn't use anything. It was just three acupuncture treatments. Yeah. And that's what got me going. I said, okay, here's a dog that based on everything we knew should have been euthanized. Right. And all I did was put in some acupuncture needles. And the dog continued to progress and improve, lived from 12 to uh, with regular acupuncture once every few months, lived to be almost 15. Wow. So once that started, then the word started spreading and then the newspapers wanted to interview me because this therapist mentioned it to a friend of his in the local newspaper. And then Animal Medical Center, I, one of my cousins was a vet down there and he said, uh-huh. Alan, you should be doing this down here. So they invited me to give a talk yes. there. Yeah. And then the head of AMC said to me, you know, you're the first time that anyone's explained acupuncture based on science. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to he- send the head of our orthopedic surgery up to see if you're for real or not. And I went, great. So that was when someone who became my dear, dear, dear friend and colleague and avid supporter, Dr. Martin DeAngelis, who the DeAngelis technique for stifles was named after. Right, yeah. He came up and hung out with me. He was going to hang out for a few days after one afternoon with me. And I, saw, I lined up all of my different acupuncture cases. He said, I don't need to hang out here for a few days. You're helping all the animals we euthanize. You need to be down at AMC. Yeah. And then that started with, they, we did a trial where they would only 
refer me cases that were recommended for euthanasia. Mm -hmm. And I would see if I could help. And I would turn down many of them that I didn't think I could help. But the ones that I did, we published 80% of them improved and were able to live a longer quality, happier life without medications. Yeah. And then the head of AMC was an editor um, at Lippincott at the Mm -hmm. time. And he Mm -hmm. said, hey, would you do um, part of our series, Problems in Veterinary Medicine, do one on veterinary acupuncture? And that started. Yes. And then the next thing was, he said, I just became an editor here. Would you want to do more? I go, sure. And then American Veterinary Publications contacted me and said, we'd like to turn this into a book into a full textbook. Yeah. And that's how it all started unfolding. Wow. And then from that, I started because I was at AMC and all these interns and residents were coming in. Mm-hmm. And then one of my clients there said, you need to be, have a department here. And I donate to AMC. I'm not going to donate anymore unless they have a department of acupuncture. Uh-huh. So he donated it, and all of a sudden, the first Department of Veterinary Acupuncture outside of China showed up. Yeah. And on their bulletin board, they have every all the departments in alphabetical order. Acupuncture was on top. <laughs> so all of a sudden, everyone saw acupuncture when they came in, and they started asking about it. Great. And then the interns and residents started wanting to hang out with me, and then they went out to other vet schools and uh stuff. And then they started saying, we need to have Alan come and lecture and we need to get someone here doing acupuncture. And that's how that all unfolded. And then animal medical centers said, well, now you've taken training in chiropractic and Chinese herbs and none of that existed. And they said, if you want, start doing that here too. That's great. And that's how it all started. There was nothing anywhere else at the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so where were you? Were you still, you were in upstate New York when you did the IVIS course then? Yes. Yep. And then the uh, guy, the vet I was working for was saying, you're doing too much acupuncture. I need you to be doing your regular stuff. And I said, you know something? This is my calling. This is my journey. Yeah. So I decided to set up my own practice, the first holistic integrative practice that it really ever existed in referrals, you know? Yes. Uh, Dr. Ehor Basco was doing something like that a little bit in San Francisco, outside of San Francisco in Silicon Valley. Uh-huh. And he was one of my first teacher, my first teacher in Chinese herbs. Ah, okay. And so I hung out with him a little bit and saw what he was doing. And, but then he moved on uh, to Hawaii and stuff. But so then I opened the practice to start seeing, or oh, running out of time, no, um, just fine. referral. Yeah, referral practice in just that, and to see if I can make a living doing that. You know, but it also included Western medicine. And then one of my friend's colleagues, he said, "Hey, Alan, I'd love to do this with you, and um, I'll do the regular medicine, and you can be doing regular medicine and the acupuncture." And then he went on to take the acupuncture to back me up. Yeah, and so then I was. At, on staff at Animal Medical Center with my Department of Veterinary Acupuncture. Mm-hmm. And then I had my own veterinary practice doing it there as well as conventional medicine. Yeah. And then my small animal clients started bringing their horses in and their alpacas and their llamas. <laughs> and we were doing them in the parking lot. 
And then they started expanding. They said, would you come to the horse barn? And then eventually one of my technicians said, Alan, all you're doing is acupuncture, chiropractic nerves. What are you doing with, and at that point we expanded to two animal hospitals. And they said, she said, what are you doing having all these headaches, 24 employees and this and that when all you're doing is this. And so I said, you know something, you're right. And I, at that point, then it took about a year for the transition, but I sold my half of that practice to my business partner. And we're mm-hmm. still the best of friends. And I still worked out of there, yeah. but doing just the acupuncture. So about what time frame are we in now? That was seven years later. Okay. 1989. All right. And so then I was really scared because all I was doing was alternative medicine. Yeah. Nothing else. Yeah. And just referrals. That never existed before. Right. And it was both large animal and small animal. And I didn't know if I'd be able to make a living. I got sold. I made enough selling part of my practice, my part. Yeah. But we owed so much money. I didn't make that much money on it. But it gave me enough money that I could survive till to see if the my own vision of a holistic referral practice would work. Yeah. And then it just took off. And that's, I hired, I trained other vets that did internships with me mm-hmm. and then they joined me and it kept on growing. Were your clients, what's your sense at that time? Were they coming because clients were telling other clients or veterinarians were sending you or a mixture? A mixture, primarily yeah. uh, word of mouth. But yeah. also, um, vets, I became the garbage dump, yeah. when, you know, which happens, right? And AMC got in the habit of, well, we, you know, euthanasia, or if you want to try this acupuncture, you can try it. Uh-huh. And then the word spread, and then newspapers started contacting me, and I was getting interviews on TV and radio, and it just blossomed. And that's when I started getting asked to teach all over the world, write more books, and then got invited to be a professor at different vet schools, first Colorado, then Tufts, and then Cornell had me teaching there. But they were so conservative, they said, we'll have you come and give workshops, but we're not ready to have a professorship. Uh, You know, and then they changed deans, and the next dean said, I want you here full time, but then he got kicked out. Uh, uh, you know, so the politics. Yes, yes. You know? I'm curious about when the AVMA came to you in regards to establishing the guidelines for complementary medicine. Can you talk about that? Yeah, yeah. So what happened was um, I was getting known and I was publishing and everything and So one of my professors at Cornell was on the board of the AVMA and other people, the AVMA I knew, and they said, look, it's time for us to develop new guidelines. And we had this committee and you've been recommended by so many people. Would you be, there were only two representatives on it uh, for uh, complementary alternative veterinary medicine, which is what it was called back then, not integrative. Yeah. Yeah. And other areas, you know, feline practitioners, bovine, equine, aha, you know, blah, blah, blah. And seven of them were against 
or quite closed-minded. And Carvel Tiekert and I were the two um, representing holistic medicine. Yeah. And I love Carvel, and he's awesome, and he was very active in AVMA and the founder of the AHVMA and wonderful human being. But sometimes his perspective was a little bit too extreme for some of the vets on the committee. Right, yeah. And I had just taken, every year I committed to taking a new training in something not related to veterinary medicine. Okay. Okay? Yeah. And I had just finished a training in Aikido ah, mm-hmm. from um, the John Denver, if you remember John Denver, the folk singer, his yeah. bodyguard, Tom Crum, was an Aikido master. Uh-huh. And he had wrote a book, The Magic of Conflict. All right. And so every night during this workshop, during the day it was Aikido, and at night it was workshop training on verbal Aikido, ah. the martial art of not fighting with words. Yeah. I learned so much, and then I went into being on the committee. Yeah. So it was instant practice and on verbal Aikido. Uh-huh. And so I listened initially, all the vets were introducing who they're representing and how we need science and we have to stop all this alternative medicine from being part of veterinary medicine, you know, blah, 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 blah. And so I listened to everyone and I said, thank you. I can understand all of us want science. Okay. But just because there isn't scientific research documenting to the level of the gold standard double-blind studies doesn't mean something doesn't work. Right. And I said, for me and for us as veterinarians, to me, our goal should be what is best for the animals under our care. Right. And that should be the foundational question for all of this. Mm -hmm. And then look at all the research that's available and make a decision. And you just watch this cognitive dissonance happen. Jaws drop. Yeah, right. What's best for animals? And by the end of that evening, everyone was patting me on the back saying, that's great. Next morning, we made that the foundation question for the entire committee. Oh, that's great. And then what that did was whenever someone would say, well, there's no double blind studies, I present, here's all the research that's available for, let's say, acupuncture herbs and say, The thing is, if we allow, if we say it isn't part of veterinary medicine, then we're allowing non-veterinarians, human acupuncturists who have no training in veterinary medicine, infectious diseases, zoonotic diseases, lameness, anything, to be treating the animals that really we should be treating because we have a great foundation in Western medicine. And then we have veterinarians who trained in acupuncture or Chinese herbs or chiropractic. Yes. So they all agreed that all of this should be part of veterinary medicine and should be practiced by veterinarians with advanced training. And yes, we need more research. That was the game changer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. So once we changed those guidelines, then I published again in JAVMA Mm -hmm. on the current um, status of research and education at the veterinary schools of, in North America. Mm-hmm. And that got published in JAVMA. And after that, all the vet schools were contacting me to speak there because they all wanted to be doing something, but they didn't know what. Sure, sure. 
So you did a lot of, a lot of traveling then. Oh my gosh, that was part of my burnout. Is yeah. At that point then I had a four veterinarian referral practice in just holistic integrative medicine. Mm-hmm. Large and small, I was booked six months in advance. Yeah. I was teaching all over the world. Mm-hmm. I became a professor at Colorado Vet School, assistant professor, yeah. and an assistant professor at Tufts. And other vet schools were making me really, you know, awesome, amazing offers. Uh-huh. And that's when my burnout really started. Yeah. And that's when I started taking training at Harvard Medical School for physicians on mind-body medicine. Okay. And there were a thousand, vet, uh, a thousand physicians in the audience. And one veterinarian, <laughs> hey, they let me in, you know? And I said, wow, these doctors are all burning out and I'm doing the same and we in veterinary medicine are doing that. Yeah, so what did you learn there? Well, the key was their department of mind-body medicine was started by Herb Benson. Mm-hmm. And what he defined when he was teaching is what he called the relaxation response. Okay, yeah. Which what he did at the time was he had spent 15, 20 years traveling all over the world, seeing what all the different ancient traditions of meditation had in common. And he let go of all the different uh, religious connotations and said, what is the science behind all of it? And that's what he called the relaxation response. And that essentially it's two steps. And this is what I still lecture on, like I'm lecturing at Fetch over the next few months and talking about uh, the lecture I'm giving is mind body medicine tips to transform your life, your veterinary practice in your life now. And I start with the relaxation response because it's so simple. It's two steps. One is you combine a muscle activity like breathing with a thought or a sound or an intention. Yeah. Whatever it is from the sound of ohm, you know, to something like Hail Mary, to may I be a benefit to all beings, to whatever you want. Yeah. It's non-religious, right? Yeah. And so you take in a deep breath. These days they say the best method is five seconds in, two seconds of holding, and eight seconds out. You bet. Breath. Yeah. And combine that with a thought or an intention or a sound. Mm -hmm. And then step two is whenever you're doing that and your mind starts to wander, go back to step one. Yeah. It's as simple as that. I want to respect your time, but I do want to skip ahead a while to your Calm Project, if you could tell us about that. Yeah. So all of this, my passion for pioneering new approaches, my um, passion for always looking for what's next to help all beings. What I realized is, and I'm sure you see this in many holistic vets and regular vets, conventional vets, see that to me, there's a subset of clients that I've put a label on called conscious animal lovers. They're aware of a deeper, deeper connection with their animals. And that their heart space, their animals open their heart space to that has been closed, shut down by all the challenges and stresses of living in this world. Yeah. 
and that, that connection through the love of animals. And what I call, what I realize is, if we recognize the healing power of the love of animals as an actual energetic force, mm-hmm. we could actually help heal the entire planet. So that evolved through my TV show, Awakening with Your Animal Family. Through that, I started presenting what I call, what came to me as the acronym CALM, because we could all use some CALM right now. Yes. And that is, the acronym stands for the Conscious Animal Lovers Movement. Mm-hmm. And so it's a global movement of uniting animal lovers throughout the entire world into a movement to help create a healthier, happier, more harmonious world through our connection to the love of animals. And so I started presenting that to veterinarians and all the vets are lighting up and technicians are lighting up and animal lovers are lighting up. And so it's taking off way beyond my wildest imagination just in the last few months. And then our dear friend, Dr. Susan Wagner, a board certified veterinary neurologist, I brought her on the show about sound medicine and stuff and then brought her on. She really resonated with Calm. And so she's one of the co-creators of it. And it isn't me being, oh, I'm the big kahuna. I don't want that pressure. I don't want that, you know, it's coming through me. Mm-hmm. And it's a co-creation. And then she introduced, reintroduced us and that you want to be part of and you are becoming part of the co-creation. Yeah. And then other vets who um, one's has is the chief veterinary officer for Fetch is interested, Dr. Chrisman, and another veterinary acupuncturist, Dr. Christopher Shapley. And so it's spreading so quickly. And so this podcast you're bringing up, this is an invitation to anyone who's listening. If you resonate with this, you can go to my website, drshone.com, and see the, for free, it's all free, the Awaken With Your Animal Family. I give three different uh, shows, three different episodes on Calm and the seven pillars of Calm, and then an invitation and to all of us to, if it resonates with you, to help co-create this. Because it's a co-creation of conscious animal lovers, whether we're vets, vet techs, receptionists, just animal, and not just, but animal lovers in their home. Yes. Dog trainers, horse trainers, everyone. Great. Thanks so much for taking the time. I was just- Yeah, sorry I went over. No, no, we're fine. I, I really appreciate- everything you've done for our profession and and for our little corner of the profession. Um, Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking it and guiding and being such a bright guiding light as well. And I look forward to having you join and become part of the co-creation of calm. Cause again, the planet there's, I keep on asking, how can we be a most benefit to the world? You bet. And I believe veterinarians, and animal healing centers can be centers of healing for the entire planet. I agree. And that's what we need now. You bet. And this podcast and you are part of it. So thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you. 
This podcast is made possible through the generous support of the College of Integrative Veterinary Therapies. ZIVT provides world-leading education in natural medicine, including three accredited postgraduate qualifications, industry-recognized certifications, and a wide range of evidence-based courses and webinars delivered by qualified and experienced practitioners. By bridging cutting-edge science and tradition, CIVT helps you to expand your treatment options to tackle your most challenging cases. And whether you're a veterinarian, veterinary technician or nurse, animal health professional, or someone who wants to learn more, they have the right course for you. Investigate their offerings at civtedu.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, we'd appreciate if you'd take the time to tell a friend and to give us a favorable rating on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for your support. We'll see you next time.